What is up, everyone, and welcome to episode 440 of Combo's Court. And you know who it is. I am Combo. Don't forget to rate, review, punch down on that subscribe button. That's right, man. You could be listening, but you might not be subscribed. So punch down on that subscribe button. Today's show, Leo Baez of Cowbell Kingdom and Basketball Zone joins in to talk Kings basketball Just a fantastic conversation with Leo. Subscribe to Cowbell Kingdom on YouTube. Great Sacramento Kings content. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. Cowbell Kingdom, Basketball Zone, man. I've had you on the show a few times when the Kings were bad. So uh, this is not a bandwagon pod. You know, I've had you here. Um, but it's great it, It's it's great to have you on when the Kings are great, right? It is great. How are you, man? How are things? Things are different. As you can see, the uh, beam is lit. <laughs> the like beam, the beam. The beam is always lit in Sacramento now. It's been wonderful. It's weird because... I've been covering this team since 2013, but full-time since 2015. I've never experienced a winning season, let alone 35 wins. So to have the success or to cover the success that the Kings are having now and being able to to, to really enjoy it with Kings fans all over the world, it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful feeling that I don't want to take for granted because at the back of my mind, I'm like, it's still the Kings. Like I, I still have that little bit of worrisome just because it's been 16 years of misery. <laughs> Kings fans have always been great. Just the team hasn't been great for a while. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So right. when did you realize this season when this offense was for real? Because I kind of tweeted about this the other day. Um, I said the two scariest things in the league, in my opinion, right now are the Orlando Magic's outlook and the Kings offense. So tell me when you realized mm. it was really scary for the rest of the league. Well, it was a shaky start, right? They started off one and four. Sabonis looked like shit, if we're being honest. We're like, oh, man, did he regress? He had a great summer with this country playing right. overseas. I felt like watching them in person because obviously the first six games, I was there just watching them warm up. And I'm thinking to myself, there is nothing wrong with his mechanics. He he shot the ball with lethal shooter that, that whole summer worked out with him. So we all thought that his jumper would be a lot better. And I was like, well, his mechanics are good. His body looks good. And then I realized that he was just tired. He was tired from playing so much basketball. And it showed in the first two weeks of basketball, of, of NBA basketball. So then once that happened, once his legs got under him, he became the beast that you guys are seeing today, an all-NBA player. The guy is just an animal. I, he's he's so he's just so tough. The guy's playing with a broken thumb, broken, you know, 
dumb part of the hand type of thing. And I, I just respect him for that. He's been so good to the organization, class act. So once he started getting the stuff together, then they just unlocked the entire offense because Mike Brown brought a lot of that split cut action to the Kings, right? Lots of movement all over the court. The ball never stops in one place. It's not a Trey Young, Luka Doncic type of offense where you pound, pound, pound. There's no energy. The ball has energy in Sacramento. It's fun to watch them. Lots of Kevin Herter um, movement, shots. Malik Monk comes off the bench, brings energy. An exceptional playmaker. Did not see that coming. That was one of the big surprises. Actually, if you, if you go on B-Ball Index, he's one of the elite uh, playmakers in the league right now. Um, he ranks in 90th percentile and pretty much everything. And then De'Aaron Fox is just one of the most disrespected players, I feel like, because people always want to compare him to Tyrese, saying, oh, he's a great playmaker, great passer, and I've been covering Fox for years, and I've always said he's a very good passer. But I think there's a difference between box score assist and playmaking overall. And Fox, if you look at the analytics, he's a 95th to 97th percentile playmaker. Like, he creates so much for his teammates off of his scoring abilities. So yeah. that's part of why this offense works so well, because you have shooting around your two main cornerstone pieces which the kings have never had right they try to uh, draft bagley didn't work out so bagley was supposed to be sabonis you know what i'm saying so i think that was the whole vision obviously uh, as you know i'm not a big bag i wasn't a bagley fan from the very get-go i can go back to my pre-draft process and i pretty much predicted what was going to happen but yeah i now they finally got it together. They chose a path which you have to give up something good to get something great in return, which Tyrese is phenomenal. But both Tyrese and Fox together, that wasn't a thing. So I'm glad they did it. I was glad the second it happened, a lot of people were upset about it, but I was so ecstatic. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Tyrese was on a podcast recently talking about how he thinks it was great for him and De'Aaron, right? Uh, so yeah, it's been great for both of them. What I'm seeing from De'Aaron, and obviously you're watching every Kings game, so I'd love to hear your insight on his perceived leap. I mean, he was always pretty good. He definitely yeah. took a leap this season. I mean, I think his leadership is a big part of it, but from an on-the-court standpoint, what from what I'm seeing, he always had the defense. He always had the point guard feel. He always had the athleticism. But the leap that I see in his game is the craft in which he scores the basketball. Have you seen that? And what insights do you have on his leap? So for me... His biggest knock has always been his defense in the sense of... Well, he always more, had the tools, right? He always had right, the... Right, 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 right. So, so exactly. he, he he's always, like, had the tools, the athleticism to be great. I mean, his name is Swiper, right? Like, right. at Kentucky, that's what we saw, defense, like, right. on the ball. Not, like, to the level of Davion Mitchell, but pretty close to it. Davion, nobody, nobody gets nobody over screens like Davion. Yeah, yeah. Nobody, <laughs> nobody gets over Davion. Nobody in the league gets over screens like that, I don't think. <laughs> right, right, right. He's a special individual when it comes to defense and screen navigation and stuff what, like what's that. What's his like, nickname? Off night? Is his nickname off, off night? night. <laughs> off night. So he's gonna give you a lot of off nights. But we saw a lot of that, you know, skill set from De'Aaron Fox. And when Mike Brown had his introductory press conference, he talked about when he met him in Houston and how he was one of the better players and how he was just how he thought he would be one of the better, you know, defensive prospects and one of the better defenders in the NBA. So he always talks about 
he has to be the head of the snake. And this year, like if you look at his uh, first five years in the league, he was atrocious on defense in terms of the overall analytics. Like his on-ball perimeter defense was terrible. His 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 attention to detail wasn't there, obviously, as I've always defended him. Well, obviously, some of it is on him, but the lack of stability, the lack of good coaching, that has a lot to do with it. Now he has accountability, which he's never had. And Mike Brown, he's going to hold him accountable. Like, he will call a timeout 30 seconds into a game and say, bro, you just got caught uh, watching and someone back cut you and they scored off of that. Like, that stuff that... Fox has never really endured. And like when I was talking to him um, at this restaurant event, he was like, bro, Mike is, I love Mike. Like he truly holds us accountable. Like it's, it's tough love, but it's obviously worked. And that's what he's always needed, man. Like, and, and as you said, his leadership is a lot better. The fact that his jump shot is, you know, respectable now in terms of three point percentages, I think he's at what 36%. So that's league average. That, that has unlocked everything. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. he's always been elite in the mid range, but people don't give him credit for that. Now he's like, people are like, oh my God, he's like super. I'm like, yeah, he's he's elite from there, bro. Like he's he's shooting 50% or 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 better. Like his true shooting percentage is ridiculous. So yeah, he he's always been good from the mid. He can get to any spot on the court. There's not a player in the league that can actually guard him one on one. Like he's so fast, his burst is crazy. He he was telling me that his teammates laugh at him because sometimes they don't think that he has that athletic ability. He's like, I just don't show it. But as you can see, like he's been yakking it on people, like. All season this year, um, it was that Pistons game. He was telling me that Keegan and the bench were like, "You can't dunk that." So on it's, the all, it's, all, it's always the young guys that want to say something like that, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then on the following possession, he just saw that massive tomahawk, bam, in in your face type of dunk, and he was like, "Yeah, I can dunk that." So he's a freak, man. He's a good player. Uh, to me, he's an all star this season. He's the best player on the team, if I'm being honest. Sabonis is his Robin, but they're both 1A, 1B. It's it's always hard to say, like, who's the better player. I think they're both super important. He's the king of the fourth quarter, though, league-wide. He's the clutchest player in basketball, um, at least from the percentages. And I trust him with the ball. Um, even last game that they lost, I didn't watch the first three quarters. I tuned to the fourth. He's having a shit game, and he just turns it on, like, he just has that switch in the fourth where he's just going to take over the game. Like that's that's a special individual to be able to do stuff like that. Most definitely. I mean, you know, whoever Batman and Robin is, we don't know if it's about us. We don't know if it's Fox. But I talked about in the offseason with Deuce and Moe. Shouts to them. I was actually yeah. on their pod. And they yep. and I was telling them, like, they asked me about the offseason moves. And I love the Malik Monk, Kevin Herter move because I felt like those are modern basketball players that just fit around Sabonis and Fox in the right way. And it it's just fit like a glove so far. Man, you talk about the shooting. Obviously, the chemistry that he already had with Malik Monk being one of his best friends. And then you go out and you add yeah. a Kevin Herter for shooting purposes. But we've seen that he's more of a sh- more than a shooter, right? He can do a little bit of everything. Obviously, he's still a bad defender. Malik is a bad defender. Um, and, and that's really hurt them in terms of their defensive rating because they fall asleep a lot uh, off the ball, uh, which is one of those concerns that Mike Brown voices every single night, the attention to detail. And he's a defensive first type of coach. And it's funny because their offense is just so elite, right? 
Um, but it, it just comes to show that they need more help on the perimeter. Harrison Barnes has been a shell of himself defensively, but offensively, January has been ridiculous, putting up over 20, uh, 20 points a game or 50% um, shooting. Like, he's been crazy. Um, is that sustainable? That's the question that I just posed uh, in a short-form content. Like, I don't know if it is. You might still have to upgrade the position, but I don't think they'll make like a massive move. It's it'll be more like lateral, like small moves. Um, but they definitely need some help defensively. Maybe like Matisse Tybal can can help them, but he can't shoot. So there's and then they're they're stuck with the whole Kevin Herter trade because they can't offer a first round pick until 2028 as of right now, unless they call Atlanta and they both agree on either unloading 24 or unloading 25 because of the stepping rule, you can't really give back to back years. So it's a complicated situation to make a big deal at the deadline. They can obviously offer it on draft night, but if say they want to go get a guy like a Vanderbilt from, um, from the jazz, they want a first round pick for him, but I don't think they want a 28 pick. They want a 2024 or a 2023. So I there's a lot of challenges for the Kings to get over and make a big type of splash. Yeah, I mean Kevin really filled the Kevin really filled the need with that movement shooting. Where mm. do you feel he ranks amongst the league's best shooters? Oh, he's definitely top seven. Uh, definitely, he's going to be in three point shootout. Obviously, Buddy's up there. I love Buddy. That's that's my guy. Well, like Steph and KD are probably the top two guys, right? For and then, sure. I mean, Steph's the- is old class. Like me, yeah. I, when I talk about shooting, I, like I, like I don't even mention him because we know who he is. So when I talk about shooting, I, I think about like those types of guys, like, right? Like Kevin Herter is in the mix for number three. For sure. I mean, if you want to yeah. put him in there, I I I don't blame you. Uh, you know, Duncan took a huge step backwards. Um. Joe Joe Harris isn't what he used to be, so those two guys are off the board. Who else is really good? Clay. Clay is always up and down now because of his injuries, but when he's on, he's on. But I mean, obviously, respect to that guy. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Joe um, Isaiah Joe has been pretty solid for the uh, for OKC Thunder. Utah for the Nets. Utah for the Nets has been solid, yeah. but he's. His numbers have gone down ever since KD got hurt. Um, obviously, his shot quality is not the same without Kevin Durant because Ben Simmons doesn't command that type of respect offensively. Although he's a great passer, and I'm a huge Ben Simmons fan. I don't understand like the whole, you know, disrespect there. I mean, he he impacts the game in so many different ways. But and that's another guy that I would love. On. Like, I I've been a huge proponent for, for him to be on the Kings. Like I think he'd be a great fit. Mike Brown, Mike Brown would know how to use his skill set because thank he's, you. He's been familiar with Draymond. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. hundred percent. So, yeah. So speaking of Mike Brown, uh, to me, he's the coach of the year, okay. but um, I like to ask you, like I talked about this with coach Nick a little bit. Mm-hmm. Coach Nick thinks, and he does the research. So I'm sure he's right on this, that it's their offense is a throwback more to Kings old school basketball, like the deep mm-hmm. watch and back then in that era, than warriors basketball of the current dynasty do you see a warriors influence when it comes to the current king's offense oh 100 like if you just go go back not go back but just go two three years the way draymond operates in the same spot that sabonis does and literally clay and 
Clay and Steph, just you know, the, the the whole split cut is all read and react, right? There's different iterations from that read and react offense. Defenses, I, I always say this on every show, guards for the most part don't communicate on defense. So when you're screening off ball, when you're screening on the strong side, doing back picks and stuff, it's so easy to just like move off the ball. And if you have a gifted passer like a Draymond or a Sabonis, they're going to find you. So if that first cut is in there, dribble handoff to the guy coming off of that split cut, you set the screen, which Sabonis is one of the best screen assists in the NBA. Like he's phenomenal. He, he creates so much space for those guys like a Kevin Herter, like a Malik Monk, like a De'Aaron Fox. Not that Fox needs space, but if you give him more space, obviously he's going to be more unlocked. But it's just a beautiful offense, man. And it's it's crazy because Mike wasn't known. Like Mike's biggest criticism is, is his whole coaching career was what? His offense gets stagnant, right? Uh, back in his Cav days and in, in, in his Laker days. The so Lakers, was, I mean, Lakers days, the players were giving him pushback. They wouldn't even let him put right. the offense in. Yeah. Right. So but he was always known as a tough-minded defensive coach, defensive principles. I think that's where he's frustrated, but he learned so much being with Steve Kerr and just watching that uh, Warrior dynasty, man, that he really did bring a lot of those principles to the Kings. Now, to Coach Nick's credit, it does kind of look like the old Kings, right, with Pete Carell and um, not like Prince and offense type of right, right. system. The, Basketball is a copycat league. Co- Coach Rafador always tell you that. You know, like everybody copies everybody. It's just how you like implement your own little, you know, touches to everything. But it's it's definitely a copycat league. They run a ton of Spain pick and roll, which again came from overseas. The Warriors adopted that, and now everybody's doing it. It's it's truly a copycat league. Yeah, I mean, we see it in every era. Like, there used to have to be, like, back at the Shaq era, every team would just have three big setters to guard Shaq, right? I mean, mm. that we saw, you know, even when it came to the draft, we saw a couple teams wanted to draft high school guys. Then, like, there was a bunch of high school guys coming in. Like, it's it's been a copycat league for a long time. And then, obviously, when you have a dynasty like the Warriors, there is going to be some copycatting there. But the Kings are definitely doing it in the right way because when you really watch that offense, and obviously they're number one in offensive rating, Right. It's just like, it's really crazy. It's almost like, you know, their defensive rating isn't great, but their offense is their best defense. That, 100%. So if your offense is that elite, you're still going to translate to wins. If you're nitpicking like I am, you want to be 16th to 15th on defense, right? Not 22nd to 28th on defense. If you move down, you know, middle of the pack defense within with an elite offense, you're locked and loaded for a for a good playoff run. And that's crazy to say the P word, but yeah, a playoff run, bro. <laughs> so there are some people that are still skeptical about it, right? For sure. They think there's a good chance that the Kings won't land in the playoffs and they'll land in the play-ins. Where do you land on that? They'll be a top six team. They'll, okay. They'll be a top six team. I don't know about top three, top four. I think it's fool's gold in terms of them being that elite, like right now, there's a ton of teams with injuries, right? But injuries are part of the game, so you so you kind of have to add that to the equation, right? When you look at the Clippers, when you, when you look at the Warriors, when where you where you look at the Pelicans, I think all three of those teams, if they're healthy, they're all better than the Kings, but they're not healthy. So we can talk about this 2K fantasy of oh, well, if they're healthy, but I'm like, but they're not, so it doesn't really matter. So if they're not healthy. 
the Kings may stay at third. You know what I mean? So yeah. for them to fall out of the top six and being that elite offensively, I don't see it, bro. Because their offense is just flawless. They can just plug in players. Like, obviously, Sabonis being there is huge, right? Like, in terms of the whole screening aspect of the offense. But anybody else, like, I mean, they can just put plug them in it's 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 a true system now which is phenomenal yeah so the top two guys as we talked about Sabonis and Fox I mean I think the number third guy was iffy but Harris has been playing better lately so he solidified himself back as that third guy my question to you is what does Keegan have to do to eventually be that third wheel on this team Keegan has to just keep doing what he's doing because he started off super hot I don't know if you remember that and then he just went on like an incredible cold streak. Could not find uh, the rim. It was tough to watch. He's he's the weakest defender out of the top five for sure. Um, Which is, I, I mean, that's normal when you come to rookies. Normal. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. That's normal. Um, according to the eye test, he's the weakest. According to the analytics, he's the weakest. But again, as you said, when you're a rookie, defense comes later. Um, unless you're Davion Mitchell or like Herb Jones, but right, yes, uh, Scotty Barnes, Kay Cunningham, but yeah, you're right for the right, most part, right, you're right, yeah. right. So you know he's he's a sniper, bro. I mean that, that guy is locked and loaded all the time. Super confident in the shot. He would shoot the ball from anywhere. I'm when I'm watching him in person, I'm like, God, that jump shot is so smooth, man. Like it's it's grossly smooth. So he just got to keep doing what he's doing. Just be more consistent play his role, attack the basket more. I would say get get more to his mid-range shot. He's been doing a little bit of that as of late, but I need to see it on a, on a more consistent basis for him to be like that third guy. Eventually, he will if they don't trade him. And, and I say that, obviously, with the caveat, like if they ever want like a guy like OG, you can't get an OG without giving up Keegan. Like the Raptors won't take that deal. You know, like you, you, you have to start negotiating with Keegan, which is unfortunate, unless they would want Harrison, which I would do in like in a heartbeat. But I, right, I, you he, would do it, but the, for the timeline yeah. of the Raptors, it doesn't make sense. Right, right. So I just have to be realistic and be like, well, if you want an OG, Keegan's probably the first to go. Again, you have to give up something good to get something better. Um, or you can be like, I'm just going to be patient and just wait it out, and, and maybe Keegan becomes OG. Obviously, never as good defensively, but offensively, I mean, the sky's the limit for right? He's 6'8". He's a great movement shooter. He, mm-hmm. he, he can easily come off of double stagger screens and just shoot the hell out of the ball. Like, he's he's legit, man. So, if you want to be patient and, like, take that route, my thing is I'm super impatient. I see a great <laughs> window. No, I, I see a great window of opportunity in the West. I think it's wide open, bro, if I'm being honest with you. Like, yeah, the Nuggets are great, but do you trust Jamal to stay healthy? Like, do you trust Michael to uh, stay healthy? I don't. So when I see those type of things, if the Kings land a big fish like an OG, right, like a DeMar DeRozan, I think that puts him over the top and puts him into the Western Conference Finals. And after that, it's a crapshoot. But the window is there, bro. Like, it's just one of those weird years where I'm just like, it's anybody's year in the West. Like in the East, it's the Celtics and the Bucks and the six. It's it's the Celtics, but in the West, you don't know who's coming out. I totally agree with you. It's interesting. Demar is obviously a better player than OG, but 
I kind of like OG fit better. Oh, the fit fit way better. But I'm just saying, like in in the playoffs, top end talent, get in your mid range. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. When I think about defense, are you gonna lock in on Demar? Are you gonna lock in on Fox? Like someone's gonna have the second best defender on them. You know what I mean? So I think that's the advantages of having a Demar there. Guy can put up thirty every night. Very underrated passer. I mean, one of the better passers in the league, actually. Like if you look at the analytics. Um, obviously, I feel like if you use him the same, or if he buys into the same role that Harrison is playing. Sabonis can do wonders for for Demar and and you know and right. that mid range shot like you either go right. drop or he's going to slip it to him. Bro, you if, know Demar, what I mean? like, if Demar can make a few adjustments, it's <laughs> it's a champ. It's a uh, the defense will still be an issue with the team, but it's right. a championship level team in my opinion. The only thing is he would have to make those adjustments because yes. of Sabonis's role on this team. Right. Yeah. So it's the fit is fascinating because I'm like it could work or. You know, it could not, but at the same time, if it doesn't, his contract comes off the book this year and next year. So it's not that big of a risk anyway. Yeah, yeah. Any other roster moves you see? Let's end with this because obviously they're playing great. Everybody loves the way that they're playing their offense and they exceeded expectations. But as we know in this league and we learned from the Warriors with the Kevin Durant move, it doesn't matter how good you are, you try and get better. Are there any roster moves that you think would make sense at this point? They'll probably go get Mason Plumley, which they kind of have to because just as a security blanket for Sabonis, I think he fits perfectly. Uh, the Hornets, the Kings, and the Thunder are one, two, and three in terms of DHO action. So he's already in the offense where he's very good with DHOs. Um, he's going to come in and just try to be a Walmart version of Sabonis, which, which is not a bad thing. Sabonis is not an NBA player. Um, I think Mason's having a great year. They just came out with the reports. Uh, I forget who it was, but they won the first. They're not getting the first for him. He's he, he's an expiring deal. They might get like a TD, a Len, and uh, in like two seconds for for somebody like that. Um, I love Rashawn, but it seems like Mike doesn't. So if it, Mike, doesn't, it's just not the right fit for his offense. But he's a he's a good player, man. Right, so like, yeah. if Mike doesn't, and and I do, it it doesn't matter what I think, because at the end of the day, he's gonna be the guy that's gonna be playing guys. But I, but I do say this: whoever that backup center is, their success, at least offensively, will be dictated and contingent on Malik Monk's success. Because if Malik Monk is having a good game, that backup five will have a good game. If he's having a bad game, which he's had a rough like. In the last, I would say, 15 games, he's had about 12 bad ones. Then that back of five will struggle offensively. Now, the big knock on that back of five, which has been Metu and, and Rashawn, has always been their defense. So I can't defend that. But offensively, they, they're they tied to whatever Malik does because Malik's going to, you know, in the pick and roll, lob threat, pass. But if he's having an off night, Whoever it is, don't matter if it's Mason, they going to struggle, bro. So it, it's tough to play that position, man, because that position will only get 6 to 12 minutes a night anyway, and it's hard to get your rhythm and timing in 6 to 12 minutes. 100%. 100%. You know that. I mean, yeah. you're a ball player. So, like, how do you expect to be yourself if you're Rashawn if you're getting such limited time? It's, it's, it's so hard. It's a very tough role. It's a special skill set. Yeah. It's a definitely a special skill set to, like, not get warm and still be able to get off. I mean, 
Do you think different. Mason? Do, do do you think Mason is that guy though? If they take the risk on him, man, the only thing about him is the free throw shooting, man. I know oh, that's got, I know, I, I know that, I know that's like nitpicking, but uh, he could, he could be better, man. We know like, like shouts to my guy Rob, but he's with the heat. So he can't help anybody else. But like, yeah. there's things he could do to improve that shot without switching hands. It's ugly. <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> Leo, great stuff, man. It's always great talking Kings basketball, which you just know, man, I've been talking Kings basketball whenever I can. You know, I've been, hey, I've been telling I it and people, you, people are still sleeping. Trust me. People are still sleeping. Yeah. Yeah. Facts. Facts. <laughs> Leo, where can we find your stuff? So they can, uh, you know, look for our NBA content uh, on the basketball zone, YouTube channel. We do Kings content, NBA content. I did a live stream last night, like at 1 AM. I was, I, you know what? I'm going to randomly just do this. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling like the excitement from football. Uh, we, I just literally just went over like, hypothetical NBA trades from fans on like fanspo.com and I just broke them all down. Some were hideous, right? Just dumb fans. And then some were like really tough, like really good. Like Dame going to the, to the, to the Mavericks or Trey young going to the Timberwolves or like cat. I'm like, these are some good trades by, by these fans. And, you know, it just made you think about things, but you know, stuff like that. Um, Obviously we love to do film sessions on our channel um, they can look for me on cowbell underscore kingdom on Instagram. Basketball's unofficial on Instagram. Um, DMs are always open. So if anybody want to chat basketball, I love the league. I watch the league, not just the Kings, but it's it's finally good to have a good King squad. Light the beam, man. We're out. Light the beam, man. <laughs> there it was. Yet another episode of Combos Court. Big shouts to everyone who tunes into Combos Court across the globe. Big shouts to Leo for joining in always appreciate you combo nation share this episode share it on twitter you could tag me on there at combos court same name as the podcast c-o-m-b-o-s-c-o-u-r-t take a screenshot of this episode wherever you listen to it and post it on your ig stories tag me on there at one two combo that's o-n-e T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. It lets me know you listen to the show. You saw how I rhymed there? We're here, man. (laughs) Be on the lookout for episode 441. Combo out.